0: Thanks, Larry. Uh, I will now take this time to dismiss our children from uh, three years old to fifth grade. I've been doing this for four years. You think I just have that at the tip of my tongue, but I don't. Um, So three years old to fifth grade are dismissed to their uh, classes. And also we have a nursery that is going on for kids who are younger than that. And uh, also moms, if you have a fussy baby or, I just need time to feed them. Uh, there's a office right around the corner. Uh, as soon as you exit the uh, sanctuary, it's to the left. Um, it's nice, private, dark, quieter than in here. Um, and uh, you can still kind of see and hear what's going on in service. And so uh, that's available to you as well. Um, it is my office, but it also has been newly renovated with nicer chairs that are more comfortable and all of that for you guys. So I appreciate uh, you guys allowing me to fix up my office. It works out pretty good for me. Uh, so uh, that's all available to you guys. Um, let's pray over our, our message today, and um, I apologize for anyone who primarily speaks Spanish and are looking for Russ, because I don't, uh, but mas notas on the projector <laughs> is... Uh, <laughs> Thank you. That's so pathetic that I get I get three lines. I get a hand clap. Russ does an entire message, and everyone's like, "Yeah, he's pretty good, you know." <laughs> so let's pray, and uh, hopefully, I can get out of the way. God, to thank you so much for everything that you give us. Thank you that you use all kinds of different people, God, for. Uh, The fact that you just have so many people just up here who are leading us in worship for so many people who are just doing your work from the care pregnancy center to uh, just the people here at sunrise for the people who came last night just so many different ways that your um, your kingdom is coming in some awesome ways and so we just thank you that ultimately that it's all about you God. it's not about Russ it's not about me it's not about anyone one person here God but it's all about you that's why we're here. So God, I pray right now that you would speak through me and that each person would hear a special message uh, from you, Holy Spirit, that you would work in their mind and their heart to receive the gift that you have for them today. Thanks for loving us and using us. In your name we pray. Amen. So as some of you might know, um, I did not grow up in the most wealthiest of homes. Um, in fact, we were very much not wealthy. And part of that was uh my mom was not she was she had me very young and so we just didn't have a lot of money she uh didn't quite start her career as a teacher yet and my dad was kind of mia and so he would just send his check but it was never that much and so growing up just sometimes life was just that way we dealt with certain things that we didn't have certain types of food or um, nothing was very special. Many times we heard we don't have money for that, and so we can't really get that. There were some times that utilities would just all of a sudden just be off, and that's just how life was. And as a kid, you don't really pay attention to that very much. It's just that's how life is. It is what it is. You don't know anything different. And so I never thought of it in, in any bad way. It just, that's, I just knew that we were broke. But Christmas was always special. It was always unique. It was always interesting because in Christmas time, it just seemed like all the troubles from the rest of the year just went away for a couple weeks, and we all focused in on this time to just celebrate. And so as a kid, I loved this time, and TV commercials were just a little bit more festive and fun, and all of a sudden, as a kid, you're interested in the newspaper, not for any of the actual articles, because they would get a toy magazine in there, and so you would wait and say, Mom, is it here? Mom, is it here? And they would hear, and then all of a sudden, you were just in study mode. You were just like opening it up, and you're, I want that, I want that, I don't want, who's, that's for a girl, no way. And you're just like, you're just, and my brother and I would sit there, and we would just like study this thing, like Christmas Day was the big exam, and we had to make sure that we had all of everything re- ready because we wanted to ace it. Every once in a while, we would get to go to the temple of Christmas, also known then as Toys R Us, and uh, we would get to go and see all the different toys, and I was pretty sure as a kid that Santa was the CEO of uh, Toys R Us. It was just the whole like scheme that he couldn't quite put himself out there. Uh, some of you kids will never get that full experience, but some of us who are a little bit older We'll never forget Jeffrey, um, R.I.P. We'll never forget, yeah. Um, We're still Toys R Us kids at heart. Um, What's so magical about this time was just that I knew as a kid we didn't have a lot of money. But suddenly things would show up under our our tree that I just couldn't explain uh, how they got there. And it always just blew me away. To me, that was just the joy of the season, is that surprise, that moment but there's a problem with that definition of joy. Because if par- as parents, most of us know that uh, the joy of Christmas toys usually don't last as long as we hope they will. Usually as we buy them, we're like, yeah, they're going to play with this forever. And then it's, a, at least in the Peterson household, it's about a month before that toy is either broken or lost or you're just so tired of picking up all the pieces that came with this darn toy Uh, And it goes into the closet until the boys randomly find it and, like, scale the wall to get it, which definitely happened at my house. Um, Or you just, it doesn't matter how much joy the toy brings the child. The moment that you step on it at night or in the morning before you've had your coffee, you want to burn it with fire, 100%. And that's just how toys work. And so, uh, but this idea of joy doesn't just have problems because it's not long-lasting uh, the problem of joy being just about feeling happy has problems because the Bible has some very interesting things about uh, rejoicing and having joy in our life. For instance, 1 Thessalonians five sixteen through 18 says this. It says, Rejoice always. Pray continuously. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ. Rejoice always. Hmm. What about Philippians 4, four that says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I, I will say it again. Rejoice always. Always. That's an interesting word, right? Because what what if you don't feel it? What if you don't feel happy? Are we just, as Christians called to just fake it, are we just supposed to paint the smiles on our faces and say, yeah, life's good. That's The, the, the word says rejoice. So Always. So I always have to be happy. I always have to feel like everything's great, and if I don't feel it, maybe maybe I just don't have enough faith, or maybe there's something wrong in my life. I, I don't know, but it says rejoice always, so I guess I'm always supposed to feel happy and never have a bad day, but the reality is as we look at scripture and as we look at Jesus, who is the perfecter of how we ought to be, how we ought to live, uh, we see that he didn't necessarily have all good days. He wasn't always happy. In fact, if you read the scripture, you see he felt all the emotions that we feel. There was anger, there was anxiety, there was, there was frustration. Everything that he, we could feel, he felt, but he did all of those things without sinning. So I don't think it's all just about feeling happy. I think that there's something bigger here that we have to dig into. I think that there is something that we have to uh, look at these verses and verses that we're going to see here in a minute and say, man, maybe maybe it's not just about that feeling. Which kind of leads us to our main scripture today, which will be Hebrews 12, one through three. And I invite you to turn there. I have the Spanish on the screen. Um, so go ahead. I'll give you a moment to flip there. Open your apps to Hebrews 12, verses one through three. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary or lose heart. So, I want to just dive into this. We're going to dissect it a bit. Verse 1, the, the author of Hebrews talks about this great cloud of witnesses, and it's important for us to understand a bit about who he's talking about there. And so right before chapter 12 and chapter 11, he talks all about all this, this legacy of family of believers. He starts all the way back at Cain and Abel and talks about how Cain Or how Abel had faith but Cain did not. And then he goes to Enoch and how Enoch was taken up to heaven because he was so close to God and never tasted death. Then he moves on to Noah who spent his life building an ark, a boat for a flood that no one believed would come until it did. And then there was Abraham who uh, by faith left his home and his community to go to some place where God was going to send him. And uh, he, he promised him a land for his, his, his uh, descendants, and what was crazy is at that time, Abraham had no kids. In fact, for years and years, he had no kids, and even when he did have a son, he was willing to give up his son to God because, to, because he trusted God's promises more than he trusted himself. Then it gets, uh, later on, we get to Moses, who uh, had all the rights of a king and, a ro- and royalty. And instead of just keeping that for himself, he gave that all away so that God could use him. I love what he, the, he, the author of Hebrews says in verse 32. He says, listen, I could do this all day. I can go through all these characters in the Old Testament and each person, I will show you examples of how God has been using his people to bring his kingdom to earth and how God has changed people's lives by interacting with their lives, person after person after person. And what's crazy is about as you track that story of God through the Old Testament, you'll see that he fulfilled his promises, but only in part in all of those stories. There was always something missing at the end of each one of them. And what's amazing is when Jesus comes to earth, he fulfills all of those promises across the board. All of the lights start flicking on. That Jesus just was the the son that was going to be sacrificed for sin. He was the true savior to free his people. He was the one that was going to come and save us and, and bring a new world to us. He was the the fulfillment of every promise. And so, as we understand that Jesus is God the Son, the one who was born a helpless child, the one who lived a perfect and sinless life, as we understand that he died a death that we should have died, not because he was a victim of the way his circumstances, in fact, he gave his life up, because he he wanted a connection with God and us to be reconnected. Once we understand that, we should also understand that this legacy of the Old Testament becomes our legacy. It becomes our family history as we are adopted in to a legacy of God's family, not just as servants, but as sons and daughters of the living God. We are adopted into a legacy of believers who came before us. And we start to understand that God has been working this plan to save us since the moment we messed it up as humans, since Genesis 3. He's been, you can track it through history, how he's just been working to save us from our addiction to sin. And it's been a a hard road because we're, we're not an easy people to save. And constantly, as he's reached out his hand to save us, we've backed away from him. But you, the reality is that that's not just the, hist- the story of humanity. For many of us, that's our own personal history of God too, right? Where there's been times that he's reached out to us and we've pulled back from him. We've not quite wanted him to save us the way, that, or we wanted him to save us on our terms, which so often is where we fall flat. Our addiction to sin is rapid, but in Jesus, is the only time that we truly find the release of that. This is why we can have hope today is because God is going to be doing something massive in our lives. He's been working. He's he's way too invested in this desire to build his kingdom to back out now. Like, can you see that he's been working this from when humans started to now? That's a lot of time. And he's just been investing, investing, investing. And it's not like he's going to get to your life and be like, you know what? Maybe I'll pull back now. He's all in with us. He, he, so in that he gave up heaven and came to earth for us. It's not like at this moment is when he's going to pull back. Verse 1 continues. It says, let us throw off everything that hinders uh, the, and the sin that is so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So even though we're adopted as sons and daughters of Christ and saved from sin, many of us still have baggage. Many of us still have weights of us. So many of us still have some scars and some consequences to the sin that was in our life, either because of our choices or because of the choices of people around us. And so many of us still have those chains on us. The way I kind of picture it is, I don't know if you've ever seen those athletes, but they have like a weight, and then they'll like strap it on, and then they'll do this cool thing, yeah, where they're like pulling it, and they look so cool and tough. I've never done that, but (laughs) they look really cool when they do it, and I'm like, man, that guy's strong, right? Like you see football players doing it, and uh, I kind of see that as how we sometimes look when we're trying to follow Christ with sin in our life. Like, that's the way we're trying to truck around is, God, I want to follow you, and I, I I, want to live in your freedom, but I, I don't really know, I, I don't know if I can trust you with all these things in my life, and I know you want me to take this thing off of me. I know that your freedom in life should be that this weight is gone from me, but I kind of want to hold this on because for whatever reason, this feels a little bit more comfortable. I know that I should give up my pride issues, but God, I, I don't know. I, I just, let's just name it that I'm confident with myself, and I know I should shouldn't let fear control my life, but God, I, I'm, just, I'm just a cautious person, and you see, and that, that's why I kind of have this weight on me, and I know that I shouldn't be in this relationship that doesn't point me towards you, but God, I just really want to keep them, and you can save them afterwards, right, God, and so I'll just kind of keep walking with this, this weight on my shoulders, or God, I, I know that I shouldn't worship money, but I just really like the comfort of it, and so just let me walk with this. I, I know, God, that I shouldn't gossip, but I just really want to know how to pray better. By the way, did you hear what's happening in the youth group? There's a lot happening in the youth group, but I won't tell you about it. Uh, what God wants to do is give you a life free of those weights, to free you from that kind of life, because that's not freedom. Freedom. Even as Christians, we still carry around some of those scars and those weights to our life, not because we have to, because we have freedom in Christ, it's because we choose to, it's because we're not quite sure that we want to give that part of our life over to God, and that's the truth of what, rea- like, what a Christian life is. It's a constant giving over to God. It's a constantly taking off the effects of sin in our life and saying, God, I choose you today. And even though I messed up yesterday and I didn't choose you and I lost my anger and I blew up at my family or my coworkers and I know I shouldn't do that, today I will choose you. So how do we do this? Verse 2 says, it says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We focus on Jesus. We focus our lives on Jesus and we trust him with those places that we're a little afraid to trust him in. We talk off, take off the chains that we've put on ourselves and we say, God, I trust you that you died for this. Here's the thing that I want to make sure we don't miss Jesus endured the cross. Did you catch it in verse 2? For the joy, for the joy of what would happen afterwards. For joy he faced the cross. Now, I, I've been studying about the, the, the cross for a while now. I've been a Christian for about 13 years. And in uh, all the accounts that I've ever read about uh, Jesus dying on the cross and all the history that I've learned about someone being crucified, at no point through that entire uh, time of study have I ever seen anything about some of the guys who have been crucified having a good time. It's not like there was a moment in the Gospels that's like, and, and then Jesus smiled because he was happy. That never happens in any of the accounts. In fact, constantly, we see just anguish and hard and, and hurt, and they were trying to throw all kinds of shame on Jesus. And, and that's kind of what we see in the Gospels, that, that that's what they're trying to do to him. But yet, the, the Gospel, the, the Bible here, is saying that Jesus sees that as joy. He faced it in joy, which goes back to our initial problem. We can't just assume the word joy just means a happy feeling. In fact, I think that the word joy is some much more deeper than that. It means the taking into account what you're going through and understanding that it's so much better than what we're experiencing right now. It's the calculation of the entire worth of your life and saying, for this I will have joy. The re- way that God is, or Jesus is able to face the cross and say I have joy in it is because he's able to look past the hurt at the moment and say, I'm going to save you. You. I'm dying for you. And I will have a connection with you. I will have a relationship with you after this. And so I don't care how hard it hurts. I don't care how much pain I'm in right now. I have you at the end of this. And you are worth it. We are the joy that he was looking at at that moment. Your lives are what he saw as something worth going after. He, he, I mean, he even says it himself in John sixteen twenty one and 22. It says, uh, he gives this example of what he was kind of thinking. He says, as a woman gives birth to a child has pain because of her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that, the chi- that a child is born into the world. So with you now is your time of grief, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. I remember when my uh, wife was pregnant with our firstborn, and we we're doing those parenting classes together. You know, you go to Kuya and you sit down, and the nurse kind of walks you through what's going to happen, because you know, but you don't know, and um, and I just remember the nurse kind of reassuring us, you know, because I'm guessing like the entire class, I don't remember which session, maybe it was like after they show us what happens, and we were all just kind of like stunned for a moment, we're like, that's what it, oh my goodness, I don't know if we're ready, uh, is there a reverse button, I don't know what to do here, this is just terrifying, um, and I remember her just looking so calmly and peacefully at us and saying, remember, uh, or she, she said, uh, this is the only pain that you'll want to go through again. This is the only pain that you'll ever go through that you'll gladly go through again. And I remember just sitting there thinking, that's crazy. (laughs) That's completely bananas to me, but so true. And I got it, but I didn't get it until that moment that my son was placed on my wife's chest for the first time, and I was like, I get it. The hours of pain and hurt and everything that came, the stress, the worry, everything that came with that experience was gone the moment that my son Titus was there. All of it disappeared. And only joy, only hope was there at that moment. And I was just like, I I get it. I understand. And it's that same kind of experience that God has with us that Yeah, he's going to go through some hurt. We're going to go through some hurt. We're going to go through some heartache. But there's only joy at the end of it. That's what hope we can have in Jesus. And that same hope is in us. That we can get through this life and we can say, God, I trust you, but man, this is hard and I need you to see me through this. And as, as Christians, this is what we have. We have hope in the fact that this is as bad as it's ever going to get. You realize this is the only hell that we will ever taste as Christians, that we only have heaven in front of us. That's the hope and joy that we can have. That even when the bills are coming in, even when the family member is choosing the wrong things, even when addiction is just taking its place in people's lives, you can say, you know what? I know it's bad, but I have joy because I have Jesus. That's the joy that we are promised. Verse three, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So how do we have joy? When life frankly sucks, we press into God even more. When life just hurts, when you don't want it, when you don't feel like raising your hands, when you don't feel like coming to church, when joy just isn't a part of your life, when when happiness just isn't quite there, we're not supposed to run away from God and try to find it elsewhere. We should do what Jesus did and double down just press into him even more to say, God, I know I don't feel it, but I need you now. And it's different for each one of us. There's no cookie cutter example of how you find joy in your life and how you help that to manifest in your life. For some of you, it's just diving into the word even more. It's just saying, God, I'm gonna just read this and consume this and allow you to re- do stuff in my heart. For some of you, it's just putting on worship music and just saying, God, I don't really feel like singing, but I will choose to sing and praise you today. And you just sing your heart out. For some of you, it's by listening to sermons and being poured into For others of you, and for maybe most of us, it's actually taking the time set aside to pray, and just instead of saying that I need to pray, man, if we just prayed more in our life, I I have to imagine that so many of us would be so much more filled with joy, and then myself included in that. I'm not, this is not a down, this is me speaking to myself maybe that, man, if I just took the time to pray, like I said, I need to pray, I think my life would look dramatically different, and I think that all of ours would be. Jesus put it this way at the end after his example about the mom giving birth, in John 16:33, He says, "I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace, and in this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. We are able to choose joy by choosing Jesus. Let me pray for you guys. God, I thank you so much. That you didn't just keep your joy up in heaven, locked away from us, even though that's what we deserve. You instead came down to earth and changed everything. You fulfilled every promise that you ever made in Jesus. And today, you do that same thing with us. You look at our lives and you say, I will not leave you in your own mess, but I, will, I want to interact with you if you would just simply come to me and let those things go. God, I pray for a releasing of those places that we've held on to our own sin, for the things that you've told us to do that we haven't done, or for the things that we know that we should do that we're not quite willing to do yet. God, I pray that you would help us just to release those to you and find joy in you, Jesus. Thank you that we can choose joy because you've chosen us. Thanks for loving us, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.